0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis and John. John, how was that?
1: I thought it was really good. I enjoyed talking to someone uh, my age, seeing where they're at, and how they got there, and getting some tips on how I can continue to train.
0: Yeah, today we have Sergio Hernandez. He is a black belt down in San Diego, California, under Barrett Yoshida. And he's been doing jiu-jitsu probably about, he said, 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. started at, what, 26?
1: Uh, He would have had to start around 24. Yeah, 24. Yeah.
0: And uh, great conversation. He is a high-level competitor. He's competed in EBI on UFC Fight Pass. He uh, does a lot of local competitions, and he's a he loves competing. His insight on competing and why he does it is great for anyone. Sergio was probably the first person that every answer he gave, he made sure to kind of— it towards the beginning practitioner he kept saying he's like for the beginner yeah for four people who are just starting i thought that was really nice because it it really lends to kind of this idea of the podcast right we we're making it for the beginning practitioner so for him to go straight from the get-go and and talk about the beginning practitioner was nice so mm-hmm. what are some of the things we covered john
1: uh we talked about uh some ways you can get ready for your own um, competition or at least the way he does it i really liked how he has a specific goal to motivate him to compete to continue training i mean that's something even now i have to think about right like yep what's the end goal i thought he hit on a a couple key things that a lot of new practitioners will probably think about as in like you asked him like when did you know you were going to continue for the black belt or if that was always the goal and i think a lot of people get into jiu-jitsu with the uh are you just going to do it until you get enough self-protection like you feel like you can defend yourself i feel like he, he hits on that a little bit
0: yeah, it's in a phenomenal conversation. You could tell Sergio is very wise about his words and his thoughts. And it's really nice to talk to people that take the moment to understand one, what our question is, and then two, to really deliver a valuable answer, not just, you know, spitting something off the top of the head. So that was really nice to to talk to him about, too. So, a couple housekeeping notes. Make sure that you guys go check out our Supercast. It's elbowstight.supercast.com for all our premium content. You get to skip this preamble and our ads in the middle of it. Also, this episode will be coming out on November 1st, if you're listening to it the day of. And starting in November, big announcement, we are going to weekly episodes. So from now on, you're going to get an Elbows Tight podcast episode every Monday on of the month. So which is gonna be a lot of great John and I uh, recently had some business come through. And so we're going to switch over to monthly or weekly episodes. So I'm excited about that to give you guys more content. What we plan on doing is two episodes of John and I, and then two episodes of interviews. And then if we if people want more interviews, then we'll we'll reevaluate that. But it'll be a good way to just track our journey as well again. So perfect Uh, also make sure you guys go follow us elbows tight everywhere on our Instagram our goal is to have 1000 followers on Instagram before the end of the year and we're already almost there and it's you know not even November yet so I I think we're gonna hit it uh, here relatively soon so make sure you guys go there follow us on Instagram Facebook YouTube all that stuff make sure you guys give us a 5 star review on your favorite podcasting platform Spotify Apple Podchaser all that stuff. And uh, make sure you share with a friend and share the episode on the story, what your favorite part of this conversation is. And we'll repost it on ours. So um, John, you got anything else? That's it. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening and watching at home and we hope you enjoy peace.
1: Support for elbows tight is brought to you by manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels, Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ETP20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls.
0: That's a lot of balls, Johnny. (laughs) When Manscaped reached out to work with us, I instantly thought, "Yes, what a deal!" I've been using Manscaped products for a while now, and when they mentioned helping out with the podcast, I, I thought it was a no-brainer. I have the lawnmower 4.0 now, but I had the lawnmower 3.0 and absolutely loved it. Also, most people think about manscaped as tr- just trimmers but really they have ball deodorant ball toner w- the weed whacker which is your favorite thing right john
1: yeah i love the weed whacker look i'm about to hit like 45 years old so i got hair growing out of everywhere now so it's coming out my ears i'm like man where is that weed whacker
0: it's definitely <laughs> my favorite get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code etp20 at manscaped that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ETP twenty. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools to get the job done with Manscaped. Sergio Hernandez, how's it going, man? How you doing today? I'm doing
2: great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey, no, man. Thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, Michael Courier set this up, helped us out setting this up, and. Uh, he said nothing but great things about you. Literally, right after we got done interviewing him, he's like, man, you guys should get Sergio on your show. This guy would be a great interview to talk to. So I'm glad that we were able to make it happen and you were able to come on, man. So thank you. Yeah, for that.
2: he's a really good dude. Um, I tattooed him a couple times and he sats, he sits really tough, doesn't move around at all when he's getting tattooed. So shout out to him.
0: Yeah, that's not me. I'm... I like I I start getting tattooed and I have to take like a five minute break after once that adrenaline kick punches in I'm like all right hold on a second. I need like a Snickers a Coke give me like five minutes and then we could get going again that first initial adrenaline dump I'm yeah. not I'm not good with that still some people
2: pass out <laughs> some people pass out from that yeah. adrenaline dump but
0: yeah I I I talked to my buddy and he was like yeah you know it's nice because you can recognize it some people they don't even realize it and they'll be getting tattooed and all of a sudden they're just like. Out 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 in the chair.
2: (laughs) I've had someone get tattooed and uh, I tell them like, hey, if you feel lightheaded, give me the heads up. And um, they don't say nothing. And then they start sweating and they don't say nothing yet. And then they fall. I've had someone fall flat on their face. Oh, yeah. That was pretty scary. And then he started choking on his gum. Oh, no. And then his girlfriend started screaming like her boyfriend was dying. (laughs) <laughs> and so, uh, holy crap! It was pretty theatrical, pretty dramatic. But he survived, and we got to finish the tattoo.
0: What were you tattooing on him? Where were you tattooing? Man, it was like on his wrist. A lot of times, it
2: happens on the wrist because you, you know, like when you're a little, like in high school, and they grab the wrist and then they let it go, and then people pass out. Like some weird thing that people yeah. were doing in high school. It's kind. Of, I think it's that type huh. of thing, you know.
0: I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. The wrist is horrible. Like that was. Like, all the how shallow it is right there and all your tendons and everything like that. When I was getting my wrists tattoo, I was like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, I don't want to continue with this.
2: Yeah, it's one of those bad spots for sure.
0: Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into who you are and everything like that and give people a little bit of a background on who, who you are as a person. Okay. So how'd you get into jiu-jitsu?
2: Well, um, I was about 26 years old maybe when I got into it. And uh, my, I, I started tattooing and I felt like... I was already having some back pains and stuff. So I, so I figured I wanted to do something physical to like, you know, keep me active. And that way when I go do, when I go do tattoos, I'm not all like stiff, you know? And so, um, Mm -hmm. I was watching UFC and they kept talking about like BJ Penn being flexible and all that. And I've always been really flexible. So I figured it'd be a good, um, good exercise for me. And also when I was young, my dad used to teach me uh, how to box. And so I had about, uh, 10 amateur boxing fights when I was little. And then I was probably like 12 or 13. And so I always had like a competitive thing about me and I liked, you know, martial arts and Bruce Lee and box. I used to watch boxing with my dad every week. So yeah, I think that's how, that's how it happened. First day of jujitsu, it was with Barrett Yoshida and, um, I've only had him as an instructor, and I went from white belt, first day of jujitsu, jitsu all the way to black belt with Barrett. So, I don't know. Dang. I'm pretty proud about that. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I read uh, somewhere that you were his first white to black. Yeah, I was the first one.
2: And then uh, it was a trip because when he started, uh, when he came to San Diego from Hawaii, all of his students, all of us were white, white belts and some blue belts maybe one or two purple belts and um he was competing against the best in the world you know and so it's always interesting to me that a lot of people think that they have to leave their um academy to be with like the best guys in the world to compete at the highest level and maybe that's true for some people but I think there's always the exception you know like you you don't necessarily have to do it that way You could have a bunch of white belts that you train with and you just sharpen whatever techniques and, um, you know, you use them to to make yourself better.
0: Yeah, we we started our academy, what, four or five years ago, we've been doing jujitsu and we were day one white belts at the day our academy opened up. And it was one of our close buddies that started it. And pretty much everyone that is a colored belt in our academy were white belts. And we haven't had a white to black yet in our academy. Our highest ranking is Cody and Billy who are who are brown belts yeah uh, but all pretty much all the blue belts and all the white belts they've all been straight from homegrown and it was really interesting. John and I talk about this quite a bit. Like you said, even though we had nothing but a bunch of white belts, I felt like our games because everyone already knew everyone's uh, tactics and what they knew right we we're all on the same level. So it really it came down to who was being more technical, who was able to execute the techniques better, and I think that really skyrocketed our jujitsu, you know, from the beginning. Yeah, and you guys do
2: mostly gi or no gi?
0: Mostly gi. It's like ninety nine percent gi right now. Yeah, I would like to do some no gi. It's
1: just we don't offer it as much, not yet.
2: I I enjoy the gi more than the no gi, and um, for people that are starting jujitsu, I always advise them to start in the gi.
0: People talk about how gi is boring to watch because it's more technical, it's slower pace because of the grips. Like you can literally grip any part of the body. And no gi right now is just you know, it's the forefront of jujitsu and entertainment wise in a lot of people's eyes. But I I don't know man, I love the gi. I love the slower pace. I and for you know the older people that are in jiu-jitsu, it's much easier from what I understand. I'm only 30, 32, about to be thirty three. But like John, you know, it's easier for him to control someone. It's easier for him to not to get smashed, right? It yeah. is. It is. I'm, I
1: like both, though. You know, I have I have no problems practicing both. The things I like about no gi is uh, it's a little bit easier to get out of things for me, right? Because you you know it's slippery. It's just easier. <laughs> but uh, I like both. But right now I find no gi harder just because a lot of the things that I normally would do in a gi I can't do. So it's just it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, I love
2: both, obviously, and I've trained both and competed in both. But um, as far as like a, a beginner getting into it, I feel like sometimes people get really excited about the no gi because you know they watch Abu Dhabi or they you know they're a fan of Gordon Ryan or something like that, and um, that's great. But I think for longevity reasons, I think the gi is better because once you get some spazzy uh, blue or purple belt that just learned how to do heel hooks and they go for your fucking knee, dude. And they mess up the first time you mess up your knee and then that's it. Your jiu-jitsu career is over. And career, I don't mean like professional career. I just mean like you are like your jiu-jitsu journey basically is finished, you know. And people get so unmotivated because I don't know, because they got a, a messed up knee, you know. And so in the gi, they don't do heel hooks and stuff like that, and so I think that protects people's knees and I think there's more longevity in that, you
0: know, like you mentioned new practitioners when they first join jujitsu, they're join their jujitsu journey. The, one of the first things they look into is like Eddie Bravo and the 10th planet system. They want to learn rubber guard. They want to learn all these, these things that are super fancy and technical, but in honestly, in my opinion, as a humble blue belt, three-stripe blue belt, just got my third stripe. No big deal. Pat Congrats. myself on the back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you should honestly focus more on the gi and Passing the guard, close guard, you know, all these like very simple techniques. But in the long run, the simple, basic things always will work. You yeah. Know what I mean, and, and I feel like a lot of people nowadays, especially like you mentioned, Abu Dhabi, all these EBIs and stuff like that. People see that and they get they're like, oh, well, I want to do that. But it's like, look, you can't you can't run before you walk. You have to understand these basic techniques in order to get to that level.
2: Yeah, I love when the higher um, higher level competitors have like a really like. Basically standard moves And they're just world champs It's just like my, my favorite thing to watch And that comes from me Being that I have like a really People say that it's a weird style or whatever But uh really flexible style Which obviously I love all that stuff You know But um, like you were saying I think people need to learn like the Focus on the basics and appreciate all that stuff Like just like a good triangle, good arm bar.
0: Yeah Absolutely, it won't fail They won't fail on you when you can get them If you get them good
2: yeah man so sick i love that
0: so let's let's jump into your your sergio guard a little bit and your flexibility how at what level or at what point in your journey did you discover that you know you could you could do this um abstract rubber guard side control thing
2: i think barrett um noticed when i was like uh i mean from since i was a blue belt but when i was like a purple belt he would tell me to check out uh, uh, Iminari and uh, and check out a couple of uh, just obscure jujitsu jitsu guys, you know. And they were doing just inverted closed guard and these different techniques like that. And so I just started to uh, mess around with whatever Barrett was teaching me and trying to add on to it, you know, based on my legs being longer and me being more flexible than most people. And so I came up with uh, that technique where um, I'm able to hook someone's arm from bottom side or, yeah, and then it just uh, evolved from there. And so I even went up against um, Jeff Glover at some point. I think I was a brown belt at the time. And um, I was able to get him to that position, but my system was still, like, evolving, you know? Right. And so looking back at it now, I'm like, Wow, that was a sloppy that was some sloppy <laughs> technique, you know.
1: <laughs>
2: and uh and I mean Jeff Clover's like one of my favorites, dude. He's so dope, you know. So I was just happy that I was able to compete against him.
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah. awesome. He because he's like such a big name in the jiu-jitsu community too. I noticed when you posted uh Your recent competition that you did, he commented on it saying most innovative guard or game in the in the industry or whatever, and I was like, oh, that's so cool, man! Like, how does that feel when you get that recognition?
2: I love that, man. I love when people, (laughs) because you know, I'm like, I've competed with some of the best in the world, man. But I mean, let's put it this way: I've lost to some of the best in the world, so I feel good about that. But but just the fact that I'm like a 44 year old person, do that I've been able to like compete against some of the highest level dudes in the world. Like in EBI, I got to compete against Eddie Cummings and he was like the biggest thing at the time, you know? And out of everyone in EBI, I mean he still beat me, but I was able to last the longest, you know? Made me feel like
1: (laughs) I was about to say, what's the measurement of success? Because you know (laughs) it's like, look, he ain't getting me in the first minute. I'm making it to me too.
2: So when you watch that match, I think I was doing some pretty um, interesting
1: technique there.
2: And I don't know, Eddie Cummings was on fire for that era, you know, and so I was able to compete against him, Gio Martinez, uh, Bill the Grill Cooper. And these are, like, super fights. Like, for me, I was just honored that somebody would, like, give me the phone call and be like, hey, we
0: think you'd be a good match against
2: these dudes. That's rad. I'm like, damn, of course, man. I want to do that.
0: So have you competed basically since your white belt days?
2: Oh, yeah. Since I was, like, three months in. Barrett was oh, like, wow. who cares? Just do a competition. Yeah. I've always competed. Every year I compete. And that's basically the only reason I still That's my only motivation to keep going to jujitsu. If I I didn't have a competition coming up, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't be training. You know, I train once a month or I train every other week. I usually want to have a competition lined up for myself. That way, I could be at the gym more often.
1: That gives you like a goal, something to work towards. I'm I'm always like that. Even in um,
2: I do artwork, and so even in artwork, if I don't have an art show set up for myself. Then I'm not gonna be making art, you know Cause I'm just like, eh, hey, I'll get to it tomorrow Or I'm not motivated right now Or I'm not inspired right now Having a deadline always, you know Puts the fire under my ass Dude and wanna, like, stay active, you know
1: That's good
0: yeah. So, what, what was your first competition like as a white belt?
2: First competition as a white belt I think the dude, uh, put me in, like A fucking headlock Like, like a high school kid would, you know <laughs> And he just squeezed the hell out of my head, and he's going. <laughs> he has me in a fucking headlock, and I thought that was like some sort of submission. And so, I like, I tapped. I was like, "Oh, you got me," you know. And I'm like, I'm like, that's not even looking back. I'm like, that wasn't even a submission. Did he was just like, <laughs> and so yeah, I got I, I I got B, and then I had another chance to compete that day, and I think um, I ended up winning one match or something, but just that one. W was like, wow, this this is cool, you know, like it's a good feeling.
0: And then you were hooked ever since, and you just kept competing.
2: Just kept competing because Barrett always competed. Yeah, Barrett would always Barrett would do every single competition. Dude, he would show up to like the smallest tournament, sign up, and be right there with the students competing every single time. That's cool. Yeah, so that was like a huge motivation for me because I'm like, man, my my teacher is competing every single time. Why? Why wouldn't I do
1: it, you know? I've talked about that before. Like, I haven't seen that. We have went through a, a couple uh, instructors at our academy, and uh, I've, I would like to go watch them compete just because I want to see it at their level. You know, it's one thing to teach it to me. I want to see you do it at that level against somebody else that has that same skill. And uh, to date, I haven't had the chance to do that yet just because the local competitions, they, they either don't go to or they're just not competing right now. So, you know, I've, I've always wanted to see that. I just haven't.
2: Yeah, I mean, everyone's lifestyle is different. I'm not saying one's better or one's worse. But uh, for me, it was like a huge help to see Barrett compete. I mean, Barrett's a different type of human being, though, you know. It's like there's very few people like him. So I'm pretty fortunate that I had him as an instructor. I didn't even know who he was when I first started jujitsu. I just happened to walk in. Yeah, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know nothing about jujitsu. jitsu period. I didn't even know that dude spoke English because he he looks (laughs) Japanese. He's Hawaiian, you know so I think I was like being so naive that I, I was even talking to him like in, you know, when you talk to someone that's like broken
1: English. Yeah. yeah. He's probably thinking was this like, guy.
2: Pleasure to meet you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that's just wouldn't you speak like English, you know, and then he just looks at me like I'm retarded. And he's like, uh, yeah, can you just go down? there and like basically <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> i was like oh
0: man it's
2: so embarrassed
0: this uh, is a nice academy thank yeah, you so yeah, much yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Bowing and shit. laughs>
1: he's probably like oh no another one of these <laughs> yeah he's
0: like I, um, I appreciate the the courtesy could you uh get in line yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so that's, i had what, what dreadlocks
2: I, oh you had dreadlocks oh i'm sorry yeah I, I had dreadlocks too and so like the couple days in my one of my uh, my homie Milan that's training with us was like, yeah, dude, if you want to take jujitsu serious, you got to cut those stinky ass dreadlocks off your fucking head. It's really gross. <laughs> so, so I did, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's so funny. I've never met anyone with dreadlocks. Yeah, we have. We had a uh, and
1: it's funny. Oh, you yeah, say we that. did. Yeah, we did. Because when I'd partner up with people that had um, dreadlocks or really long hair, I would feel bad sometimes reaching into their collar because I was grabbing all that hair. Yeah. And I was like, man, then I was like, fuck it. They got their hair long, they're just going to have to deal with it cuz there's their no way for them
2: around. Dude. They got to shave their head.
0: Yeah, yeah, same thing with big beards. We've I've uh, rolled with a guy before where I went straight into his collar, grabbed beard, and I was like, I'm so sorry for this, but it was in the way. Like I'm not going <laughs> to yes. not grab your collar yeah. cause, to be nice to you, but like maybe you should like put it in a ponytail or something. <laughs>
2: yeah. he so tapped when, out when to it, the beard room.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that shit hurts. (laughs) I can see it. Hey, (laughs) no joke, no joke. I wouldn't want anyone pulling my hair, trying to go for like a cross collar choke or something like that. Like that's just (laughs) like that's just like insult to injury. You're like, god damn, all right, man, sorry. Yeah. So when when it comes to like its lineage and you. Because like John mentioned, we, we've had multiple instructors in our academy in just a short amount of time. And it's no, it's no one's fault. It's just, you know, we had like the pandemic uh, and then people moving and then uh, values not aligning and whatnot. So just one thing after another led to us getting like a new instructor. When it comes to like lineage, did you have the idea in your head when you first showed up to uh, Barrett's Academy that you were going to stay there the entire time? Or like, how long after you you met him were you like, nah, this this is this is it for me, man. This is this is the one.
2: Uh, um, my initial goal was just to be able to get to blue belt, and then I was gonna stop doing jujitsu. I figured if I if it, I figured if I get, if I'm able to get my blue belt, uh, I'd be able to like defend myself in real in the real world situation, you know. And that was really my only goal. You know what my initial goal was It's to do an MMA fight. It's oh, to do an amateur MMA fight because you're watching UFC and you don't want to be the guy on the fucking couch. So I wanted to be able to be like, whenever I say something like, oh, he should have done this, that. I you I have the been authority. Able, when people are like, well, maybe, have you ever even been in the cage? You know, I could be like, actually, I was. I did do it. So I wanted to have an amateur uh, MMA match. And, um, and I just fell in love with it, you know, so I kept doing it. But, yeah, the, the thing about lineage, it wasn't until I was maybe like, I mean, as soon as I got my blue belt, man, like after that, I just love and respected Barrett so much that I, t- I thought to myself, if I wasn't training under Barrett, I probably don't want to do jujitsu. I don't know. I don't know why. I just like, I respect him as a man and I respect um, his approach to jujitsu and I, I respect him as a leader. You know, I, I just, i just got really lucky. I just got one of the best leaders, I think, you know, and that's a hard thing to come by. And as a student, it's it's such a you're putting yourself in such a vulnerable position, you know, because in a sense you're humbling yourself, you're subjugating yourself almost to someone, Mm -hmm. and so the instructor has a huge responsibility to be a person of like that his students could respect and and um, that they could look at look at him as like him or her as like a good leader, and I don't know, man. It's just like a strange dynamic, you know, and sometimes students are so eager and so they're such good people that they're willing to subjugate themselves to some person that's a piece of shit. And that's that bums me out. You know, I don't like that. I'm like, dang, dude. like (laughs) someone to be a black belt, man, and you're just kind of an asshole, like, or you're shady or you do weird shit. Like, I don't know, man. That's that's another thing that I. Yeah. I got lucky,
0: bro. I got lucky. No, it's 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 true though, because when you first start jujitsu, like you don't fully understand like the black belt and the meaning behind it when you first start. And but you know two three months into it you start to understand what a black belt is in jujitsu right you start feeling the the wizardry that comes along with it and whatnot but then you yeah. kind of get blindsided by that black belt and you don't realize if someone is a good person or not because you're so naive to the whole community and whatnot you know yeah and and so it's it's hard for people to understand and I'm I, I'm sure there's uh, others out there that don't even realize that their instructor probably isn't the best one in the you know to be with or they should leave the Academy because it's a toxic environment and things like that. What, what are some cues that you could give someone to know that, Hey, this probably isn't the best place for you.
2: I would say, however, that instructor treats, however, he treats the, like the white belts, how he treats the women, how he treats people in the day to day, um, life. Also, how he treats his jujitsu does he have too big of an ego to where he or they don't want to get i don't know sometimes i feel like certain black belts have too much of an ego where they don't want their students to see them be vulnerable you know and so if you notice if, if there's a black belt and he's able to be vulnerable in front of his students then i think that's like a good thing you know yeah and sometimes sometimes they don't want to allow themselves to do that because they have this persona that they created for themselves and they want everyone to look at them like they're some sort of god or something and it's like it's just that's not good that's a bad environment to be in i think and eventually it ends up manifesting in other ways you know
1: yeah agreed i bet that's younger practitioners that that would affect more i would assume like a someone older in life you know late 30s early 40s if they're going in the gym they're not looking at that person like they're uh, a god or something like that right you need that mutual respect earned so i bet it's just a younger person i would probably have to worry about that a lot more agreed yeah
2: especially sure. kids too oh yeah kids too man uh, my favorite instructors are the kid instructors it's so cool man every time i never see bad kid jiu-jitsu instructors man they always seem like they're running a kindergarten and everyone's having fun. Hurting <laughs> kittens.
0: They're just <laughs> yeah, I mean, That has
2: to be the funnest jiu-jitsu, man, just to teach little kids. Um oh, yes. no.
0: I, I heard someone talk about teaching kids. Um, you know, it's a good place for future instructors to start because if you can teach kids these techniques and they can understand it, execute it, you can teach an adult easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because kids are Kids are all over the place. I watched the kids' class. We have we have two kids' class. We have a minions class and then we have like uh kids up to 13 or 14. Yeah. And watching the minions, you know, they're like four, four to eight years old. And I'm uh. like, no, no way, no way would I be able to do this. Y'all yeah, guys, yeah. I like I love my kids. I don't really like any other people's kids. Like, no offense. They they've, they've <laughs> even That's asked what? me before. I'm like,
1: mm, I'm not your guy for that. Sorry. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not it. <laughs> it's like it's
2: trying like to, to teach them an some... armbar. bar. They want to like, show you no, pictures of their kids, and you're just like, oh, <laughs> God. Because <laughs> I got three kids, you know, but I love my kids, but I right. I don't really care about other people's kids. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Breach.
0: you know, it's the truth, man. It's the truth, So it, It's yeah. funny you mention that, too, because I'm not a tattoo artist, but I am uh, I have quite a few tattoos. I have sleeves and uh, my torso and stuff. And back when I was in San Diego, people would come to me, and they're like, hey, man, what do you think of my tattoo? And I'm like. It's great, man. Like I don't. Yeah. I'm not a tattoo artist. Why are you asking me my opinion on your tattoo? Honestly, it sucks. But I don't want to tell you that. <laughs> it's kind of like if so. Like, hey, man how how is that? Uh, how's my jiu jitsu? It's great, man. I don't. I'm just a blue belt. I don't know what you want right. from me. I'm not gonna tell you anything else yeah. besides that's great.
1: You're asking the wrong person. Yeah.
0: yeah. Can you go ask our instructor, please? So, do you teach class now at at your academy, or are you uh, strictly a student?
2: i'm just a student i'm still a student and i've tried to teach and then i just end up trying to teach my guard and it's like nobody wants to learn that shit dude it's too (laughs) good they're like they'll they'll entertain me they'll be like oh this is nice you know and i'm like this person's never gonna try to use this technique in the (laughs) competition or at their gym but once in a while i teach i teach my my techniques you know and uh people send me videos like, Hey dude, I've been using, you know, Sergio Gardner. I've been, um, uh, using what you taught. And that's the, the coolest feeling, you know, because I really, Oh, have you noticed that the buggy choke is pretty like yeah. popular? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So a couple of years ago, nobody was doing the buggy choke. And now there's like all these tutorials and people making yeah. videos. So I really hope that in the future, there'll be like some people that, use some of the techniques that I feel like I came up with and they apply it to their jujitsu and there'll be like some sort of tutorial showing, you know, people that are excited about using my, my techniques.
0: Yeah. When did, when did the buggy choke actually start? When was the first time you saw the buggy choke? Cause it's funny how these things make, make arounds to being popular again, but it's been around for a long time.
2: I'll be honest with you. The first time I seen it used was my buddy Tyler and uh, he was doing it at the gym. And I don't know if he invented it or not, but he was the first person that I seen use it. And he was my training partner. And um, he's a badass dude. He trains at Entram and TJ right now. And he's a Bear Submission student. And um, he's Canadian. And he's he's really, he got some really cool techniques, man. So but yeah, that was the first time I seen it. And then I seen the, the twins use it. And after that, it blew up. You know, everyone wanted to be doing the buggy
0: choke. Yeah, it, I, it's funny watching people do it in MMA right now because a quick way to get out of it is forearm across the chin and just slam them. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so I, we were watching an MMA fight UFC, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and a guy, uh, he was a 145er, he tried to hit a buggy choke in, in the match. And I was like, that it's not locked in. Like, and it, all the commentators were like, "Oh my god, what is this submission?" And Joe Rogo was like, "It's a buggy choke." He's like, "But he's not doing it right, so he's not going to get. He's just wasting energy right now." Yeah. Like, yeah. There's like so much space in that in that buggy choke right now. In in your game, do you feel like there's certain techniques because of your flexibility that they don't work as well as you know other people?
2: Um, I feel like you got to be flexible to do what I do. Yeah, is that what you're asking?
0: No, no. Are there things that you have a problem doing that other people usually don't because of like your your body's type or like your flexibility? Or is there anything that kind of that kind of gets inhibited because of that?
2: I mean, the only thing that gets inhibited is my wrestling is dogs. It's really bad. (laughs) My wrestling is really bad. I'm like skinny and lanky and I got asthma and allergies. (laughs) I'm just a sickly old man, dude. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, as far as uh, it being a hindrance, yeah, that's that's the only thing. I ain't got no muscles on me, man. I'm just all skin and bones. You
0: just pull guard, say whatever, take it. I don't yeah, even care. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> it's not the best for Abu Dhabi, uh, ADCC's <laughs> rule set. But right. I want to keep competing, though. I did Masters 3. I won one match, and then I lost my second match. But I don't know. I'll always compete, man. The last match against um, JP that uh, that I posted about, I wasn't able to submit him, but I was able to get the win. And I hadn't trained in like a month because I had a staph infection. Then I was on vacation. Ooh. And the day of, I had food poisoning. Oh it was gosh. crazy. Like, it was the last, the least I've ever, least confident I've ever been in a match. And he's a lot younger than me. And he trains at Autos. So I love that win. That was one of my favorite wins. I was able to win in front of my son, too. So that's, oh, that's really rad. cool. Yeah, dude. Are
0: yeah. your kids in jiu-jitsu?
2: Yeah, my, my son's 13, and he's been he's been training. But um, he started getting a little bit lazy with his training, and then he competed, and he got smoked. Mm. And so I'm like, hey, dude, you got to start. If you got a competition coming up, that hopefully that's a lesson that you can't be like, you know, just part-time in it you gotta like really train to be able to compete properly but it was a bad special? example because i just trained uh, i just competed <laughs> and was able to win and i fucking didn't train at all for it so like
0: you try not to be a hypocrite you know, like, yeah but that's not but you should train more <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> any mental preparation before you compete music meditation anything specific
2: um usually um i like to have like uh like a little shot of whiskey before the night before, you know? Yeah. But I want to be as like relaxed as possible. So I just try to think that no matter what, it's not a big deal. It's like, it's not a big deal. Like, I don't know, but I still get anxiety. I still get like all worked up right before the match and I'm driving to the competition and I'm like, I I I like being by myself. I like being by myself. Every time I have like, my friends that are traveling with me to the competition. I'm all, I'm already in my own head, you know, about the whole situation. And then to have three or four other conversations and then, hey, should we stop here to get food? I don't wanna talk to anybody, dude. I wanna just listen to my music or to, to some podcast and just think about how the competition's gonna go, you know? Like and it's not like I'm all like terrified, but it's just like I it's like smoking too much weed or something. You just like too many thoughts in your head, you know, like
0: get paranoid.
2: Yeah, I just want to be left alone for the most part.
0: What's on your playlist?
2: Oh, man, my playlist is all over the place, man. I have so many things on there. But if I had one go-to thing, it's probably like Griselda Records or something like uh, West Side Gun
0: and that type of stuff, you know.
2: I don't and know. Do They've put out so many good albums lately.
0: Do you just put your headphones on when you get to the competition and still zone out? Or are you Are you kind of like... Uh, warming up by yourself, doing flow rolls. Like, how did how does that act once you get to the competition? How does your preparation continue? When when I get
2: to the competition, I usually just uh, I want to hear the environment, and so and I want to hear people screaming and I want to hear the jujitsu match in front of me. And I've never worn headphones at competition, and um, I don't usually do like roll like practice roll before the competition either. Um, I'm usually just stretching out a lot, just stretching out, stretching out. And then right when they're like in the bullpen, that's when I start like jumping around and start getting amped up, you know.
1: Football is back, baby. We're back to seeing Mahomes sling beautiful balls all over the field. And your friends at Manscaped are here to help you sling your beautiful balls all season long. With Manscaped's state of the art tech, we'll have your weapon looking more loaded than the AFC West. Football may be rough, but your ball care doesn't have to be with Manscaped. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code ETP20.
0: At Whiteout and the clearest duo in the league, the ultimate premium body wash and ultra premium 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner with their rugged since uh, they attracted both the ball and all the ladies in the crowd (laughs) plus these two leave your skin and scalp feeling more hydrated and that means plays on the field and less water breaks you know what i'm saying on defense there's only one thing you need the aluminum free ultra premium deodorant <laughs> with the refined cologne quality fragrance it keeps sweat and the locker room scents from making any ground plus it dries clear so the opponent won't even know it what hit them kind of like the ball deodorant this has
1: got to be a super bowl winning roster please don't take my word for it go to manscape.com and get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code etp20 That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code ETP20. Manscaped for turning your player into an MVP.
0: Thanks, Manscaped. So let me ask
1: you, is the goal submission? The goal is always
2: submission, but it was always submission. And now the last couple of years, I'm like, let me try to figure out to get a W one way or another. (laughs) Because I used to hate when people would get like an advantage and then they would stall. And that's just been like my jujitsu competition career has always been like someone getting an advantage and just stalling out. And everyone's so like, I don't know, man, like, I don't like it. Uh, It bums me out. It really does bum me out that that's what competition is like. Even in boxing now, you know, everyone like tries to win Mm around. And back in the days, I mean, I remember watching boxing and fools would like go toe to toe. And it was still technique, you know, but they're trying to show who's a better boxer. And in jujitsu, it's not really—I mean, the essence of jujitsu is getting to a submission, right? And so, it's a little bit frustrating to see so many competitions won by stalling or by advantage, <clears throat> and no one ever like calls it out like it's something negative. And I think, I don't know, man. Like, I want to have like a style that's that I can have pride in, you know? That, and I want—I don't know—I don't want to win like that. I'll, I don't ever want to win that way. I want to have an interesting match and I want to try to be going for the submission, you know.
0: Yeah, I saw one of your matches and it was you you're going against this guy and uh, I think he had braids or something like that white guy. He looked a little a little muscular, but uh mm. and and you were just like, you're like, bro, just take me down. Like, let's go. Like, I don't even care. Like, here's my leg. Like, <laughs> get let's go. Like, why are we standing here? hand fighting standing up like people don't want to see this like I felt like you were like pressuring him to do something because you wanted to entertain you know what I mean like it yeah. wasn't, you weren't there to be like I'm trying to win this you're like I, I want to win but I like th- we're, we're a crowd of people are around us watching like let's stop the hand fighting is that kind of like where, where your mindset is when you when you're in the match
2: it's always my mindset but um like I said nobody gets held accountable for these things anymore so like if I if I compete, I wanna accept the rule set now. And I want to like not be complaining about it, like, oh, this guy ran the whole time or this guy. Um, I think in my younger days I used to be pissed off about that type of thing. Now it's like that's okay, man. He just wanted his W. But it's still kind of a cheesy win. It's like mm-hmm. Dude, you just ran the whole time, got one point and man, I that that so that video that you seen, I used to have I used to have to do that a lot, man. I'm like, there's an audience here, man. We're here to perform. We're here to like, we're putting on, we should be putting on a show for these people, you know? And so every time I have a boring match, it's really like embarrassing for me. I want to have an exciting
1: match. uh, You're a big boxing fan, right? So was I. Yeah. And we're about the same age, so we were probably watching the same boxing. Sugar Ray Leonard used to be my neighbor in Baton Rouge, by the way. Nice. But anyway, uh, I used to feel, the only time I felt cheated in sports, is when I spent all my hard money for a Mike Tyson fight, and it was over in 30 seconds. Yeah. We used yeah. to have to pay-per-view stuff, and it was like 100 bucks to order that. And I was like, no, 30 seconds, the fight was over. He used to piss me off.
2: I remember that, dude. I remember that. But, hey, at least he knocked him out, though. I know. He got the knockout. oh like,
1: 30 seconds. But man, I feel that way about Mayweather.
2: Bitch. I feel cheated when, when I watch Mayweather. Yep. I'm like, ah, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad mm-hmm. to watch.
0: Yeah, it's like oh, it's like point man. fighting in jiu-jitsu, like you said, right? Like, um, one of, one of the guys that we interviewed in the past, he's a big big competitor also, and he he made a good point of if you always win by submission or you finish the match, there is no oh well he won by points, but you know X Y and Z, right? Like if you're always hunting for the submission, like you said, then there's no there's no debate, like you yeah. won fair and square. Like Mike Tyson always knocked the guys out, like he barely ever went to the judges, you know what I mean? Or yes. Mayweather, he's literally fighting because he just wants more money. You know what I mean? He's he's yeah. paid 100 million dollars per round. So he's like, "Whatever, I'm going to make this last as long as possible." But it's not like it's like, "Okay, he's in a Philly block. He's just going to shoulder slide, he's just going to throw a couple jabs, dip out and, you know what I mean, run to the ropes and it's like, "Oh, it's the same th- combination every single time." You know what I mean? And that's it gets boring as as and even some people in the MMA are doing that, too. Like you mentioned, they're, they're just trying to win the rounds. Yeah,
1: that fight. what was that fight we watched maybe a month and a half ago? It was like the boringest fight I ever watched.
0: I think it was the Amanda Nunez. Yes. Carlos yes, yeah. Bezosa championship
1: fight. Like, oh, Did bro, you see yeah. that one?
2: It was bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was like, no. I'd rather watch someone lose. I'd rather watch yes, someone agreed. lose. I'll be, a, I'll be a lifelong fan if someone went out there. That's why I like the Diaz brothers. You know, win or lose, they're going to, like, go out there to fight, you know?
1: Yep. So what is so, it like
0: being in, like, San Diego, which is, like, the mecca of, you know, especially competitive jujitsu right now with Atos out there, Alliance, Kino Cornelius' gym's just, a, a, like, an hour away. What What is it like being out there? Do you get to drop in at other schools, or do you kind of just stay I, I with, went with I went to Keenan's. I went
2: to Keenan's school um, before, and it, I feel really blessed, basically, to be out here in San Diego, because even in the small competitions, you guys, you have people from Atos. You know, Atos is, like, one of the most important schools in jiu-jitsu, I think, you know, some really incredible competitors and a good history to it. And, uh, yeah, there's so many academies out here, man. Yeah, it is a mecca. Why, why do you think that is? Is it because the Brazilians love Southern California?
0: I, I That's all I can think of. I think it's the closest you can get to Brazil <laughs> in the States. And it's yeah. a beautiful area, you know what I mean? It's not L.A., even though it's getting it's getting bad now, like, like you know, a little bit northern of San Diego. But yeah. back in the day, when I was there in 2009, 2011, there was, like, barely any traffic, you know what I mean? Like, the only time there was traffic on, like, the 5 was during rush hour. It's, like, a super chill city. There's so much to do around the area. And, I don't know, I, I feel like that's probably why and you know one person went there and then you know like here we have gyms popping up all over the place and down there you know autos and things like that i think they were just like all right well he's there so we should go there and you know kind of like start start building up as well that's just my opinion though
2: yeah man there's so many good schools man um the competitions the local competitions are nuts it's really sick Sorry. yeah i would
0: i would I would hate to compete in San Diego to tell you the truth. <laughs> Just a bunch of killers down there, man.
2: It's tough, dude. And do you guys do competitions? I've only done one.
0: I haven't competed yeah. yet. Not yet. And uh I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point now where um I, I competed in like CrossFit and weightlifting and stuff like that oh. when when I was in my mid twenties and late twenties. Cool. And thank you. It was it was a lot of fun. I I had a blast competing. I'd never had that competitive mindset of like, I got to win. I got to kill and everything like that. Um, But I kind of like burned myself out on competing through those, those my twenties because I did it quite a bit. And so now I'm like, I don't really want to go hours on end to a local competition roll with four or five people And then risk losing my 401k because some guy goes crazy on a Kimura, snaps my arm or something like that. You know, so that's like, there's my mindset now is completely different. uh, Yeah. Cause I just, I, there's more to lose if I get hurt because someone is going buck ass wild on me.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And there's probably less competitions where you're at than in San Diego, right? Oh
0: yeah. 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 I think there's like maybe one a month. Maybe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here there's competitions like all the time. So. I was fortunate enough to not really have to do much to like, you know, it was just like a 10 minute drive and you get to compete. Win or lose, I just, I get to go to work afterwards and everything's okay. You know, no, yeah, well, I didn't risk you, anything.
0: When when you mentioned earlier, you talked about how um, you've been tattooing for how long?
2: Uh, I started my apprenticeship about 20 years. Oh, 20 okay. years ago. Yeah.
0: So you started jujitsu basically around the same time you started tattooing? Yeah. That's cool. Um,
2: a little bit after, but
0: yeah. Do you feel there is any correlation between jujitsu and tattooing as like an art form, as a creative person, right? Like you, you obviously um, you do incredible tattoos. I love your style. I'm a I'm a traditional guy, all minor like neo traditional tattoos, and Thanks. so I got stars and dots and, and and on my arms and everything like that, like an old school sailor. Uh, do, do you do you feel like there's any to you, any correlation be- between the arts? Yeah,
2: I think the, the learning curve is very similar. You know, you gotta, and also the fact that in jujitsu, you gotta be able to humble yourself to be able to like advance to the next level. I think in uh, in tattooing, it's the same thing. If you just started tattooing and you think you're a hotshot right off the bat, then you're never gonna progress, you know? And so even me now, I've been tattooing for a long time, but I still, feel like i'm getting better and better and i think in the next 10 years is when i'm gonna be doing my best tattooing so as as soon as you don't wake up motivated to like to become better then i feel like you're just gonna start going downhill you know yeah so i started off as a white belt in tattooing and i thought i was i thought myself as that too you know and so no one's going to give you, like, a belt in tattooing. It's just in tattooing, <laughs> everyone's constantly telling you how amazing you are, no matter how right. horrible you are. And so the difference between jiu-jitsu and tattooing is that in jiu-jitsu, you can't freaking lie about it. And you could think you're the be- greatest blue belt ever, but if you haven't competed and beat anybody, then, I don't know, it's like, show me, prove prove to me why you're a good blue belt, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and to to that point, too, in, in tattooing, uh, there's always going to be someone that is willing to get tattooed by you. You know what I mean? This is why you have like guys that have machines at their house and they tattoo their friends. They have tattoo parties and you know what I mean? And they're like, they're like, oh, bro, look at this. Look, my buddy did this sick tattoo on me. And it's like, well, you're just feeling their ego. Right. Yeah. Like, this guy legit thinks like he's a good, good artist, you know, shading with a single needle and like just horrible lines and. You know, just like trying to do photo realism and whatnot, but in jujitsu, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. Like someone is gonna fill your ego, but you could literally, John could be like, "Man, you're really good," and I'm like, "Thanks, bro, I appreciate that." I go to my next role and I get smashed the entire time. You know, what yeah. Like, there's, like, there's, there's no, there's no moment of or supremacy throughout the entire time. You know what I mean? It's just you're always gonna have someone bigger and better than you.
2: And how do you feel about when you roll with higher belts? Are you trying to to take him out? I mean, obviously, a,
1: right?
0: I don't know, man. Tell you the truth. John and I... I, I know
1: they don't like it when you wrist lock them. <laughs> <laughs> you got
2: in trouble for
0: that? He That's, did. Uh, I mean, I, mean, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah he yeah. wrist locked our, our black belt when he first showed up at the academy. And uh, he looked at John <laughs> mid-roll. Mid-wrist lock stopped, stopped and stopped said... the roll. Oh, yeah. so we're doing prison rules. <laughs> yeah. Then whoop my I love ass that. The, the rest of it. See, it to me... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I feel as a lower belt, there's a fine line of me not wanting to be overly aggressive with a higher belt to the point to where they don't want to roll with me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because I feel there's a lot of value in rolling with upper belts, but at yeah. the same time, I feel that when I do get to a position where I possibly had a submission or something to show um, a better skill set of mine. I kind of over respect the belt, you know what I mean? Like I'll stop and I'll just kind of like hang out there, and right is that for, for only for black
2: belts or is that also for like would you do I the think same it's, I for think it's belts. honestly
0: No, I think it's just black belts. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know. It's it's like a psychological thing to me, and I don't know why I do it because every black belt I ever taught to they say don't do that. They're like you're only hurting yourself. Like they like if you have a submission, you should 100% go for it. Like just because I have a black belt doesn't mean that you can't submit me, you know, yeah. if you do something right, then you should capitalize on it. So there's like this like internal battle when I roll with black belts on how hard should I go? Should I actually fight for a submission? You know, I don't know why. I don't know why there is, but yeah. that's that's my honest truth, you know? Yeah, for sure,
2: for sure. And I feel like if I was rolling with the older black belt, like if someone in their 60s or something in their black belt, even if I was like a really good purple belt or brown belt or something, I I wouldn't try to tap out the black belt. You know, it's like, it'd be kind of weird, man. Just light, light roll, you know, have fun with it. And I don't know. I, if it's like a young black belt, then I'm trying to smash. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kill them. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, For me, a lot um, of it's
1: uh, the, the learning style. If I'm rolling with a higher belt, mainly a black belt, and they're taking it real easy on me or they're just letting me work, I yeah. have a hard time. I actually have a hard time with that. I would rather them just crush me and kill me, because that's the best way I learn. Yeah. So if you if you keep crushing me with the same thing, I'm going to learn how to stop it. That that's the way I like. Hopefully, it. Yeah, 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 hopefully. Hopefully. Not my not my
2: technique.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You'll put me in, there. I'll be like, I don't even know. Man. Yeah. But, yeah. but I <laughs> just do whatever <laughs> you want, man. Like, um, but no, I think I think looking back though when I was a white belt, I was 25, 26 years old. Uh, no, no, 20 in my later 20s. I think I was like 20, 27, 28. And I was in the best shape of my life, athletic, you know what I mean? And so I was using my strength and athleticism a lot as a white belt. And I was told quite a bit that, hey, you're, you're kind of being too much, you're being too much. And, uh, it was hard for me to understand at those moments of what is this mean? What do you mean being too much? Like you tell me after the roll, you don't tell me when it's happening, you know? So it's hard for right. me to understand exactly. Like you're like, Hey, by the way that you're going a little too hard. Like, okay, but uh, this would be a good point for anyone when they first start. If someone's constantly telling you like, Hey, you're being a little too rough before you start rolling with them, ask them like, Hey, in the middle of the roll, stop me when you feel that I'm being too much. So I know in my brain, okay, that's what they're talking about. That moment it was being too spazzy, or I was using too much strength. That way, I can go back to the drawing boards and be like, "Okay, now I know that when I do this, someone doesn't like it." You know, right. but don't 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 completely take it out of your game because they do need to learn how to defend against that. Also, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Now I don't
1: know, now I don't know if they were right saying all that years yeah. ago because honestly, what they were saying is if Travis was in a superior position, right, and we'll say he's doing a kimura or whatever, mm-hmm. and he would do it at his speed, right. Which wasn't really fast, just Travis was really strong. yeah and I think the person on the other end of it's like it's too much it's too much or too strong. <laughs> really it's not you should have just tapped like earlier. right like don't don't wait until it's too late is you know now I realize that that's yeah, all it was I agree. that's why I didn't have a yeah. problem rolling with you. Yeah
2: It's a uh, really interesting the like social dynamic of mm-hmm. the role. you know who are you rolling with? how hard you, what speed? And you're kind of just there's not like an actual conversation about these things. You're just kind of feeling it out and you're feeling these you're different people, different persons, personalities, you know, and what they want to do, whether you're going to disregard the pace that they want or if they're going to go crazy and you, you got to like not even address it. The way you're going to address it is by going harder as well. So I've always enjoyed trying to figure out that dynamic, you know, like when when you're visiting an academy, does the instructor want to roll with you? Does he not want to roll with you? Or is everyone in the school looking at uh, the academy, looking at you like they want to kill you? I've had that before too. I'm like really? a guest somewhere, and like they try to put me through the fucking meat grinder, you know, like that's kind of weird too. But yeah, there's so but, many
0: unspoken social dynamics when it comes to jujitsu that. I don't know why it's not put out in the forefront more, but you know, to your point, there's also these people out there when we we like to drop into schools because we like to interview people in person, uh, yeah. but we haven't done it in a while because we've been so crazy busy and whatnot. And with the invention of like, you know, Zoom and, and Riverside, it's a lot easier to still talk to incredible people like you and and, you know, get these get these conversations going. But when we do drop in at schools, yeah, sometimes I I dropped in at a local school And I was rolling with another white belt when I was a white belt. And this guy was on the sideline. I think it was like a purple or brown belt was coaching this white belt when he was rolling with me. And I was like, look, dude, I'm not here to dojo stomp or like prove that I'm a superior white belt. I'm doing this because one of my buddies is a black belt here. And he said, you come to my academy and train. I'll do your podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm getting like, like coached, like my opponent's getting coached and like trying to smash me and whatnot. And I'm sitting there thinking... Dude, you're gonna do whatever you want because I am not down for this. <laughs> yeah. like, this is not what I'm here for. I promise. Like, go ahead. He got me with an Ezekiel, right? I wasn't really fighting. I didn't know at the time. I didn't know how to defend an Ezekiel, but uh-huh. after he got the Ezekiel on me, the guy on there was like, "Yeah, that's right." I was like, "Bro, what? The- I'm not. I don't understand what's going on here, man. Like, this is Bro, so weird to me."
2: And he said he wouldn't go on your podcast unless you <laughs> went to his academy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, yeah. hey, come
0: drop in. I'll do your podcast. And I was like, all yeah. right, that's fine. Like, I'll go, I'll go there and hang out and, and learn some technique and whatnot. And what's that's funny cool. is when he rolled with me too, he's a black belt. And uh, after our roll, um, he got me with like a knee bar within like 10 seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously. And uh, he told me afterwards, like, yeah, I, I could tell that. Um, I, which was so weird to me. He's like, "Yeah, I, I kind of went a little bit harder and faster on you because I felt like you were gonna try to uh, be more aggressive on me." And I was like, "No, why would I do that? I'm not even here <laughs> for that, man. Like, when did I yeah. ever get, get give you that like feeling, you know?"
2: Yeah, jeez.
0: So how I do you like know. how do how do you uh, like approaching dropping in at other academies?
2: I I didn't do that until so I was like a brown belt. Maybe mm. I never went to another kid because I'm like. Like I said, I'm older. When I started, there wasn't all these super fights, all these different shows. It was like IBJJF, there was Naga, and there was like Grappler's Quest. And so, and there wasn't, no one had Instagram and all that shit. So there was like, you didn't know what everybody was doing. So I didn't want to go drop in at a school and it might be people that I'm going to compete with in the future. And I didn't want them to see any of my techniques. Mm. So I just wouldn't visit anywhere. And I have good training partners. So um, if I'm going to do jujitsu, I want to contribute to my team by being there to every class that I can be at. And so I don't know. I'm a little bit different when it comes to that. Every time I see my buddies that like, hey, why aren't you in? Why aren't you at the team uh, class today, dude? You were dropping in over there you know, getting all this other information and rolling with these other people. But we needed you here because we got a competition coming up and we need as many people in the gym as possible. And you're over here spreading yourself thin, going to all these other academies because you want to drop in and meet people and all this other shit. Like, meet people at a bar, dude. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. That's just that's just me. Now I'm a little bit different. I, I like to go visit and I like to meet other people and since I'm competing less I want to go to other academies and just feel different style of jiu and it makes me feel good you know so that was before and this is me now so I I, Maturity, I evolve man. and I change <laughs>
0: yeah you become more mature even in your jiu-jitsu journey and you start you know accepting things that you thought were not cool back then right and it's like yeah like it, um, and then you're like, I don't really care, man. Now I, I, I want to, I enjoy meeting other people. And I enjoy rolling with other people. And, yeah, hundred
2: percent, so, dude.
0: Do you feel that people that don't compete, you know, because I think it's like the stat is like what seventy something percent of people don't ever compete in martial arts. Do you feel dropping in at other academies is kind of like a good substitute for that?
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. To know where you're at, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I like doing that now because I don't compete as much. So I like, but but then. It's I think you're giving yourself a false sense of like where you're at when you do that because of those social dynamics that we were talking about earlier. A lot of times you're like, oh, heck, yeah, I was able to tap out that purple belt, dude. And you're like, well, maybe that day that purple belt wasn't top of his game. You're not in a competition and maybe he was trying to go easy on you. And there's all these like little things that come into it, you know. So it, it is helpful, but I, I, I feel like you can't really get a sense of where you're at until you actually compete, you know? Uh, that's just, I, I feel like it, it's a truer sense of where you're at. Yeah.
0: Great. Now I got to compete, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should do it, man. It's fun. You know, but like you said, every, everyone's lifestyle is different. So it's hard. It's hard to like have one blanket approach.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You got to be, you got to be flexible in your journey.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. And for me, my main thing that I want to advocate for is for people to be able to do jujitsu when they're older. And so I want people to go at a pace um, in their jujitsu jitsu journey where, where they're still doing jiu-jitsu in their 60s and 70s. And so sometimes when you go too hard on the competition aspect of it and that becomes too much a part of your jujitsu jitsu journey, as soon as you're not able to compete, in jujitsu, then you just fall off and never never really train again. You know, I've seen that happen as well. So it's just finding that right balance, I think.
1: What tips do you have? Do you got any?
2: Tips for people having longevity, I would say focus on the gi and um try to um just try to keep a good pace. Just try to keep a good pace. Sometimes people fall in love with jujitsu so much that they want to be there every single day. And maybe that's not the right pace for you. Maybe you should do three times a week or something and um be humble and <clears throat> respect the uh the lower belts and then um get some motivation from the lower belts, you know? What the I think the biggest motivation for me is seeing the white belts show up and be so excited to learn techniques, you know. And Sometimes I walk in there and I'm jaded and I'm like, uh, another day in jiu-jitsu, whatever. And then I see some young dude that's not even a young guy, but I'm saying someone that's new to jiu and they're so excited. That's super motivating for me, you know. So I would just, just stay inspired, you know.
1: I'll try to explain this the best way I can, but you're you're a yeah. good example of this. So, we're the same age. Um you're a black belt, I'm a blue belt, total different skill set, right? Um one thing I've noticed is I started right when I was about to turn 40, right? So, if I'm comparing myself to my instructor now, me and him are the same age. Uh I find that I have a harder time rolling or sparring with People that are in their mid-20s, early 30s that might outweigh me by 40, 50, 60 pounds, right? And then I'll watch my instructor roll with him, and I'm like, man, you know, just he has such the the skill level and the technique where he can offset all of that. And I don't have that yet. So I just think for someone that's an older practitioner, just keep that in mind. Just, you know, if you're going to see somebody that's a higher belt at the same age as you, you cannot try to, like, compare yourself to how they're dealing with the same roles. It's just different skill sets.
2: Yeah. And, um, I think that's why competition is really helpful too. And it's motivating because it gives you a goal. Like I'm going to be the best 45 year old white belt, Right. you know? So you always want to be the best at your age and your skill
1: level. Mm. Like that is what I noticed. The one time I competed, I said, it was nice to just go up against people that were the same age, same weight limit. That That was nice
2: yeah man it's so sick that's the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu man like you don't get to do that in any other sport you know they don't have yeah it it is it's like ibjjf you know they have the world competition that's master worlds you can go blue belt and compete against the other most um, like the best blue belts in their 50s or whatever you know and Right, it's I don't know, man. It's so sick. You got Mario Lopez out there competing, yeah. you, got, <laughs> Hardy. you know, it's like so many. Anthony Bourdain won medals. Uh, what what's that guy? Uh, Tom Hardy or something. Like, yeah. I don't know, there's a long list of them, man. And everybody is treated equal in competition.
0: Yep, doesn't matter your 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 sex, your your sexual orientation, religion, anything like that when you both step on the mat, there's a there's a mutual combat uh respect that, you know, like this you guys are there to to find out who's the best in in this discipline. And it's it's really cool because there's not a lot of other things in life where, you know, that that community is is as strong, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 cool to build that relationship with someone going through the hardship of of jiu-jitsu or building that bond and that, that trust of the tap, you know what I mean? I feel like the tap, the understanding of what a tap means is much beyond of you're, you're letting them know like, Oh, you got me. Like there's so much, there's more psychological to it and building a friendship with it. Like, Hey, this person, I know this person will release me from this hold. Once I give them the, the tap, you know what I mean? Like there's a trust that's built there. And unfortunately there's a lot of people out there, especially on social media that'll post funny videos of someone tapping and then them holding on a little bit longer or accidentally putting a student to sleep during a technique or something like that. And it's really hard to build that trust back for that lower belt, you know, cause most techniques are done on lower belts, right? So if yeah. they're, if they're on social media now getting made fun of because they passed out during a, a choke or a bow and arrow or something like that, there's a lot of respect that needs to be rebuilt there.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially, um, even in competition, sometimes, People don't let go of uh, of arm bars or heel hooks
0: or crank that, them like zero to a thousand real quick.
2: Yeah, dude, that's really fucked up, man. And I don't, I don't want to do that shit. That's all that. Yeah, but absolutely. you know, I'm healthy. I'm still here, so and I would never like do that to anybody.
0: That's uh, cool, man. Yeah. Well, John, you got anything else, man?
1: Uh, can you give us one tip for someone that's brand new to the jujitsu lifestyle? Something that would help them with their journey. Um,
2: I would say, um, do steroids and um, yeah, do a lot of steroids, and you're gonna get really strong, and you're gonna be able to beat everyone.
1: that would be pure entertainment factor all white
0: belts no, walking in looking like gordon ryan just like, oh.
2: <laughs> no i'm just playing no just just be humble man and be a good listener um i would say no shut your mouth shut up for all the young students out there just shut up dude like stop commenting every technique everything that the Teachers teaching you have something to say. It's like, bro, just tone it down. Like, just try to do the technique, or, or yeah, just I don't know. That, that that's it. Just try to be a good student. Try to be a good student. Try to be humble and try to be quiet.
0: Can you elaborate on what makes a good student to you, real quick?
2: I think a good student is someone that's able to humble themselves. You know, that's the most important thing, and. Um, Trust your, trusting your instructor, but you know, you gotta find a good person that you could trust, right? Um, and so also when the, when the instructor's teaching the technique, try to pay, pay as much attention to the details. And that's, I think that's the hardest part of being a student is you just like, you don't really understand why that arm has to be there and why you gotta grab the sleeve this way or that way. But your instructor is saying something very specific so you got to try to understand these small details and just trust your instructor, even though it doesn't make sense in your head, just trust your instructor, you know, and know your left from your right. Mm. A lot of people, they're like, use your left hand. And then Barrett will be like, is that your left hand? Oh, well, that's your <laughs> fucking right hand. Why the fuck are you using your left hand? I don't know. It seems like that's people get like nervous yeah. <laughs> and they forget their left from their right. You yeah. know? That's funny. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hey, Sergio. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. This was a blast, a, a great conversation. I feel there was a lot of good nuggets in there um, for the beginning practitioner to, you know, have fun in their journey about competing and you know longevity and whatnot. So thank you so much for your insight. Yeah, I
2: appreciate you guys having me, man. It's good talking to you. And when you guys come to San Diego, please come visit Absolutely. and um, stop by the tattoo shop. I'll hook you guys up too, man.
0: Absolutely. Hey, so uh, if people want to follow you, where 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 can people see you?
2: Well, my Instagram is splurgio, Splurgeo, S P L U R G E O, and that's usually where I post all my jujitsu and my tattoos and stuff like that. And that's about it, you know? Yeah, I got a movie coming out. It's called Hellbound Boys. I, saw that. Um, I wrote and directed it. So if you guys see that out and about, try to, um, you know, try to watch it wherever whenever it comes out next year.
0: Absolutely, man. All right, guys. uh, Thank you so much, Sergio, for coming on. Thank you, John. Remember, uh, no oil checks here. All right. Thanks, guys.
2: Peace.